Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Sinkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author of A List of Denom- Demonic Names, A Pocket Guide for the Paranormal Investigator, Exorcist, Psychic, and metaphysical practitioner. Also, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And this episode is sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And I highly recommend checking her out, especially if you're going to be making some type of major decision or changes in your life. I always think it's a good idea to check out what energies are at work around that situation or person to help you out. Or if you just want to do it for fun, that's fine too. You can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Ms. Aida, author of A List of Demonic Names. How you doing? Okay, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor. Always is. You're great. I love thank your you show. for coming on. So I know we have a lot to talk about. We have your new book. We have, we're going to talk a little bit about the Halloween and November 8th. Right. Um, so uh, which one do you want to start with? Yeah, I kind of want to start with to get it out of the way. So I want to talk about November 8th. Okay. And... And um, we celebrate, us Americans, we celebrate Halloween on October 31 every year. But the way it's really celebrated, it's actually called Samhain. And it's actually, from thousands of years ago, was celebrated the full moon closest to either October 31 or November 1. I'm reading some places October 31. I'm reading some places November 1. Now, I get my information from archaeologists and historians, so I don't read other witch books and, you know, mm-hmm. say, oh, this one said this and that one said that. It's it's confusing. But the actual holiday is the full moon closest to October 31 or November 1. And what happens is... Samhain. It's it's spelled as Americans. We would say Samhain, right? Mm-hmm. And the correct Gaelic pronunciation is Samhain. So I always think of that M as being upside down and that H being silent, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the whole idea is you'll hear from people that, oh, the veil is thinning, the veil is thinning. And what happens is there is a barrier or a veil, if you wish, wish, there's a barrier between our mundane world and the other world. The other world being that realm where entities preside or reside, I shouldn't say preside. 
So as the veil thins, because on Samhain, the veil is completely gone. It's gone. And what happens is the veil during the month of October, right, begins to to weaken and get thinner and thinner, right? And by Samhain, it's completely gone. And it is said that the entities, whether they're spirits, ghosts, deities, I call them deities, they're all free to roam, including demonic entities. They're all free to roam. Now, the magical aspect of this is the good ones will share power. So that's why there's a lot of magical um, spells being cast during this time, right? Because the power is shared. There is no veil. So you can communicate with that other world because they're right here. Some of the entities can actually be seen with the naked eye during this time. They're free to roam. I said this on another show that I had done with you, that as above, so below. So we're saying the other world is above and we're below, right? So we become as one. Now, for those who believe, and like I do, as do I, that this is the time that spell casting is great and to to enhance your your magical spells and your psychic abilities it's a great time to get a reading you know a psychic reading and what they used to do in the olden days and i still do it okay is mead the wine mead it is honey wine mm -hmm. okay Mead is considered sacred, and it's considered the um, drink of the gods. And I do not drink alcohol because I don't like the taste of it, but I crack open a bottle of mead <laughs> on Samhain. It is also believed, and I, as I do believe, and this goes back from the ancients, that pork is not only sacred, but a magical food. So drinking mead, M-E-A-D, D is in David, drinking mead and eating cooked pork on the night of Samhain will enhance your magical powers. So those are the kinds of very interesting things that happen. What I would like to warn people, however, and, and that was something, you know, I had discussed with you, is if you're a neophyte, if you are not seasoned, be careful with whom you are communicating. A lot of people will invite entities into their home. The seasoned practitioner will. I will put food outside for my loved ones who have passed on. I don't invite them in the house. I'm just super duper cautious. But a lot of homes 
they will have a plate there at their at their table. I'm kind of leery, and and I'll tell you why, you know, in a minute. But I put food outside, and I call on specific people. <clears throat> so I will say, let's just say my great grandmother's name was Jane Doe, mm -hmm. and my great grandfather's name is John Doe, and I want to put food out for them. I will say aloud. This is for Jane Doe and only Jane Doe. And this is for John Doe and only John Doe. Do not just say, I invite my ancestors, because you don't know if some of those ancestors may have had a shady life. You don't know what they've done, right? When somebody passes over, and especially if they haven't crossed over, they just passed. Okay, they died. All right? But they haven't crossed over to rest and to learn. They become ghosts. And they're no smarter than what they were when they were alive. They have the same values. They have the same weaknesses. They have the same faults. They have the same virtues. They have the same integrity. They have the same code of existence in that world as they did in this world. So I always tell people, don't just say, I call on my ancestors. Mm -hmm. My great-grandmother, and her name really wasn't Jane Doe, okay? My great-grandmother poisoned my great-grandfather and killed him. Hmm. because he couldn't keep it in his pants, right? <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't yeah. know, is this justifiable murder? Pardon me? Is this justifiable? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be calling on my great-grandmother. No? You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's a murderer. So if I just say I call on my ancestors, I don't know who I'm inviting. And also, <clears throat> what if there was some hanky-panky going on and illegitimacy, right? You don't know who you're calling on when you're just calling on my ancestors. Right. Name them specifically. The reason I say this also is to be very, very careful of who you're calling on because demonic entities look for an invitation. And their interpretation of an invitation is different than yours and mine. Okay? There are things like if you're hearing three knocks at your door and knocks at your door, I tell people, don't open that door. Look to see who it is. Okay? If there's a person there. If there's no person there, don't open the door. Demons view opening that door as an invitation. If I hear my name and I answer it, right, they view that as an invitation. So you got to be careful with, you know, whom you're talking to, whom you're inviting in. And, you know, I'm, I'm so paranoid, and this is just me, and I put it in my book, Voodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic. I don't have a welcome mat. 
There is nothing on my front that has the word welcome. I've got a a regular mat that says nothing, and then I've got a little um, ceramic German Shepherd that says, I don't call 911, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm very careful. I'm very careful of who I invite. And the reason I stress this over and over and over is for a few reasons. The first one is people will inadvertently invite these demonic entities in by saying things like, I call on anybody who will help me, right? The demons will come in and they'll, they'll fool you. They'll fool you. They will initially come in and be nice and friendly until they get you. So you got to be careful with that. The other things that I kind of frown on are seances, right? Because demons can come in and they can be your Aunt Mary. They can say they're your Aunt Mary. They can say you're, you know, they're your Uncle Joe. They can say anything. And I hear a lot of people will say, well, I ask them questions that only Uncle Joe or Aunt Mary will know. Well, no, the demons know. Trust me. They know. Okay? Um, I've been in situations where I've um, been in, in homes or in places that have paranormal activity. And I, you know, not even knowing what they were, they knew my name. And when I've done, I participated in exorcisms, right? Um, demons know a lot about you, okay? And the two things that you can, I can say about demons is number one, they're liars. But number two, when they do speak the truth, it's something that will hurt you. And I remember this one possessed person told everybody in the room how many men I've been to bed with. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so when, when I stress that, no, it is not true that only Aunt Sally and Uncle Joe or whatever only knows the answer to this question, demons know. So you got to be careful with that. The same thing with seances, right? If you're not experienced, if you don't know what you're doing, stay away from seances because, again, you're inviting unknown entities in. And I stress this now, especially to be very, very careful because they're all going to be roaming the earth very freely. If you've seen the movie The Exorcist, and it starred Linda Blair. Right. And she was possessed. That was actually a little boy. Right. Yeah, it's and, a true story. Yeah, it's a true story of a little boy. You know, he's still alive. He's a, a, a retired rocket scientist now. Mm-hmm. But how this all started was his aunt. And I know in, in some parts of the country, they say aunt. Okay, in Michigan, we say aunt, but aunt is a proper pronunciation. Um, his aunt was an allegedly experienced spiritualist, and she'd always work with a Ouija board. 
and they were communicating with demonic entities. And that's how that kid got possessed. So she ultimately died. And he was stuck with I don't know how many demons. Because in a possession, what happens is the weaker ones, it's not just one that enters you. The weaker ones will enter first. And then the stronger ones and the stronger ones and the stronger ones, you know, they follow afterwards. And I don't know what time period, okay? But the weaker ones always show up first. During exorcisms, and, you know, exorcisms aren't like you see them in TV where, you know, say a few prayers and half, half an hour later it's over. I mean, it can take days weeks, months, right? We have to do it over and over and over and over. Why are they doing it over and over and over and over? Because the weaker ones leave first. Mm -hmm. The weaker ones come in first and the weaker ones leave first. So they're leaving one at a time, one at a time. And it's, you know, it's harder to get rid of the stronger ones. And a demonic... um environment, I don't know what else to say, you know, to call it, but there are millions of demonic entities. There's not just Lucifer, if you want to call him Lucifer, Satan. There's just not that one, okay? And they operate in a hierarchy system, and it's almost, it's comparable to a military base. So you have your at the very bottom, you have your your soldiers, then above them you might you'll have your like basic sergeants, then you'll have your more advanced sergeants, like your staff sergeant, your technical sergeant, your master sergeant, then over that you've got a, a lieutenant, and over that you've got captains and then you over that you've got colonels or, or no you got majors over that you've got colonels and then on top you've got the generals right so i just described to you what the demonic hierarchy is like so with millions of them in existence right i can't tell you how many can enter a body during possession Right. So you got to be careful of that. Be very, very careful. In the boy that was exercised, you know, I've, I've done so much reading and research, and no one's ever told me in any of these, you know, the research I've done, how many entities were in this kit. Right. So I imagine it was a whole bunch because. It took those priests forever, and there were a lot of priests involved. So you got to be careful about who you're talking to or whom you're talking to. Please be very careful. If you're not experienced with the Ouija board, if you're not experienced, and I'm talking vast experience with seances, then please stay away from them because... You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're inviting. 
you know, if a demonic entity came into my home right now, my mother, my mother passed away nine years ago. Okay. If a demonic entity came into my home right now, I could ask it any question that only my mother would know. That entity would know. Right. So it's not a good way of testing them. Hmm. Is there so, any way to test them? Well, you know, there is a way to test them. And, and you know, I, I frequently talk about um, prayers. You know, uh, Psalm 121 specifically gets rid of bad entities. Psalm 91 is a very strong protection prayer. In my book, Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic, when I interviewed a rabbi who does exorcisms, although they don't believe in demons, okay? They don't, I shouldn't say that. They do believe in demons, but they don't believe in Satan himself, but they do believe in demonic entities. Um, he would stress to me over and over that they would repetitiously recite Psalm 121 and Psalm 91 during exorcisms. I also found that praying to St. Michael is very, very strong. And I'm going to be talking about my book, A List of Demonic Names, in a while, but I have those three prayers. The prayer to St. Michael that I have put in a list of demonic names is the exact same prayer that is in the um, ritual ro Romanon, which is a Roman ritual. It is what the Catholic priests use for exorcisms. So it doesn't hurt to recite a prayer to that particular prayer to St. Michael. I mean, it, it would help. And it would help to pray and recite Psalm 121 and Psalm 91. But then, you know, the consequences of that, if you really, really, really want to be encountering entities, is you may not get any activity whatsoever during a seance or playing around with a Ouija board because you've just tasted away all the bad ones. Right. Got it? So um, the other interesting thing is, for paranormal investigators and those who are, are new to paranormal um, investigation, the, the night of November 8th will be um, very advantageous for paranormal investigators because you're going to get the most activity on that night, mm -hmm. right? And that activity will last for three days. Full moon activity lasts for three days, right. but, you know, after that first night, then the veil comes back, it's very thin, right? And then it starts getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then it finally, and I don't know how many days this takes, but it finally builds that barrier back up. Is there a time of the year, like six months opposite of that, where the veil is like at its thickest and it's harder for them to come through? You know, I've heard that, and that is um, a belief in paganism. And unfortunately, I, I, um, I'm not familiar with that, but I've, ha I've heard this numerous times. 
I'm not sure if it's true. I've just heard it. And, you know, you got to be careful nowadays. I'm not, I'm not disclaiming that or discounting that. I personally don't believe it's true. Uh -huh. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a pagan. Um, and I've never experienced that amount of paranormal activity ever during the year that I do around Solon. So I don't know if it's true or not. Because when I was younger, I remember reading books like um, like The Key of Solomon and stuff like that. And every ritual had to correspond with a specific planetary alignment at certain times of the day. There's like all these different correspondences that have to line up in order to contact certain entities. That is um, a part of ceremonial magic. Yeah. High magic. Um, people that practice ceremonial magic, because I used to call it high magic, and they've corrected me. And they prefer that it be called ceremonial mm -hmm. magic because it implies that other types of magic is low magic. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so they don't like that term. Now, I, I learned the hard way because I was talking to a, a seasoned ceremonial magician and I kept saying high magic, not knowing, right? And then he, he very nicely corrected me. I was like, oops, my bad. But, um, and that's another thing too, and I'm glad you brought that up, okay? Um, if you want to practice ceremonial magic, please don't learn this from books, okay? Get a mentor. Get somebody that you can communicate with who can basically hold your hand through all of this, okay? I had three clients now. Three new clients, don't know each other, and came to me screaming for help. They had read the same book. And in this book, and this is a very, very popular author who teaches ceremonial magic with his crappy writings, but he's with a reputable publishing company because they're going to keep selling his books because he sells, right? Hmm. So quantity... um prevails over quality and in the book he tells these people to call on an incubus or a succubus for protection now an incubus is a demonic entity who appears as a male and has sex with a female or another male. A succubus is a demonic entity that appears as a female and will have sexual intercourse with a human male. And, but they're demonic. And the interesting thing about them is they can change. They can change from incubus to succubus. Okay. They have that ability. Mm -hmm. So I had three different clients that called on 
these demonic entities for protection, which made absolutely no sense to me. None. And what is going on now? These three people read the same book, don't know each other. They all come running to me for help. They're being attacked every single night. And two of them are starting to become possessed. Now, there used to be three stages of possession, a demonic possession. The first stage being infestation, where they're kind of lurking around. Mm -hmm. And I'm just briefly saying this, you know, the, the details are in hoodoo cleansing and protection magic. The second stage is oppression. And that is when they start really behaving. You know, the, the victim is behaving very badly. They suddenly have psychic abilities. They, they have an aversion to anything like religious articles or, or religious prayers. Um, and that's another thing you can do also during seances and Ouija boards is have religious items around also because demonic entities have an aversion to that. But, you know, I've learned that they can sleep a lot. There can be weight gain, but usually it's excessive weight loss. There's all kinds of things. They're becoming very, very weak. And then the last stage is the absolute um, possession. So oppression, uh, infestation, oppression, and possession. But they're, they've now added a new stage, and that's called vexation. And that's where the demon is attacking that individual who they're going to possess, right? Mm -hmm. And what these three people are suffering from, the three people that came to me that read the book, is vexation. They're being attacked. And I was talking to the ceremonial magician. Now, he doesn't do this for a living. He, he is a a very prestigious person in academia. And he did it the right way. He's done it for years and years and years, but he had a one-on-one -on -one mentor. And he explained to me that he wasn't even able to begin to call on what they refer to. He didn't use this term, but I've heard other Magicians refer to them as good demons, okay? <clears throat> In my personal opinion, there's no difference. You know, they're all bad. They're, they're demons. But ceremonial magicians will separate them from good demons to bad demons. And he said the very, very, very first thing for the first year. Can you imagine this for one year? He had to learn how to banish them. That's a, typical, that's a typical method, like for Golden Dawn and other you know societies that practice ceremonial magic you have to learn that banishing ritual every day for over a year learning how to cast a circle how to call on the four archangels and how yeah. to properly close the circle exactly so you know i mean i'm just trying to it just baffles me how people can just publish these books i mean you know it can't become illegal because the country, our law, legal system doesn't recognize any of this stuff. So, you know, if I had my way, I'd make this all illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because 
these are only three people that have contacted me and I had to help them get rid of them. But how many, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who read this person's book, books, and it bugs me. I finally bought the book because I plan to write a book about all this stuff, but I haven't read it yet. You know, I just want to, if I you get have, another client. You have to I'm, tell me what book it is off the air. I will. That's, I will. It's interesting because, um, you know, and I interview, I do a lot of occult shows, and it, it does seem like a lot of people that call themselves magi magicians are now trying to shortcut things to get results. You don't want to, people don't want to spend a year doing a banishing ritual. And then, you know, then starting out with lower entities and working their way up, taking 20 years before you can actually do something of, with a lot of power. Right. You know, so, so now people are impatient and they just try to shortcut it and they can just Google stuff on the internet, pick and choose what they want to use and get, get results, but they might not be good. Yeah, Exactly. And, you know, this Internet stuff drives me crazy. You know, I, I am a Santera. And, you know, I had to pay my dues. I, I you know, I was born and raised in this, but I still had to pay my dues. And those dues weren't pretty. Okay? Hard work. Hard, hard work. I remember I used to sit on the floor and make omiero, which is, you know, there's different types of omieros, but... I guess I would call this um, potions. I don't know what else to call them, okay? And I would sit on the floor and, you know, my godmother would be putting all these herbs and water in this great big vat. And my mother would just stand there and look. Nobody would help me. And I'd have to do all this stuff with my hands and for hours. And I'd have to sing and sing. And... If, if I got one word wrong or missed the word, start again, you know, and there's so many times. I mean, I worked my butt off, right? And now I see initiations on the internet. I see people just wake up one day and say they're a Santera. I used to deny being a Santera. I used to say, no, I, I never made Ocha. Mm -hmm. I used to say that because I didn't want people exploiting me, you know. And I would lie. I would say, no, I'm not a Santa. I've had several initiations, but I never made Ocha. And then I would talk to people that, you know, Ocha is the actual initiation. Um, it's Cariocha, but we never say that. If I hear somebody say Cariocha, I kind of like my radar comes up, although that's the, the, the real term, you know, we all call it Ocha. Right. But I've gone to a couple of people that were very, very popular. Oh, this one's a Santero and that one's a Santero and, you know, celebrated. And they'd be doing like a reading, you know, with the shells. And they'd say stupid things to me like, you need to make Ocha. You know, they're saying you need to meet me. Right then and there, I know they're full of crap because they would have known mm -hmm. that I am a Santero, you know. And, you know, I've seen some, there was one, he was such a fraud and, you know, they just had him on a hierarchy. And I remember I sat down and I have cataracts. 
so bad, right? And I'm afraid of eye surgery. And I have cataracts. I've had them for years and years. And I'll never forget, you know, Elegua is one of the, one of the Orishas, right? And I never forget that I sat down in front of this fake Santero and he said, Elegua wants to know what's wrong with your eyes. Well, that never would have happened. Okay. He would have looked at me, seen the cataracts. And if Elegua, you know, if he really was communicating, Elegua would have said, you need to do this and that and that for your eyes. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't say, Elegua wants to know what's wrong with your eyes. It's like, no, you idiot. You want to know what's wrong with my eyes. You know, there was another one that told me, you need to make ocha. And for those that are relatively new to Santeria, you know, there's a couple of things that are very, very frequent that they say all the time. Oh, you know, the bovida. So your bovida is an altar with glasses of water. Mm-hmm. And most people don't take care of their bovida. You know, they set it up and then it gets, you know, the water gets kind of dirty. I am like Mr. Monk. Have you ever watched the program Monk? Right. Okay. I'm like Mr. Monk with that bovida. Okay. I am so anal retentive, right? And you need to take care of your bovida. You know, the Orishas are saying, you need to take care of your bovida. Okay, they're lying. They're not talking to the Orishas. Okay. Um, another one that they'll say is, oh, you need the Abegi. You know, those are the twins. Well, yeah, of course, you're going to need things that cost money. And you need this, and you need that, and you need blah, 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 blah. Okay. If you get a grocery list, and that grocery list costs a lot of money, you may be talking to a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I just, um, but I don't, I don't ever go to any of the, the groups. You know, I, I stay on my own Facebook page. I don't. And if anybody wants to be on my Facebook page, please come and like my page. It's Miss Aida Psychic. And I do give free magical coaching every other Sunday. And you can always come to my page and like my page and, you know, hit that, look at the more, the word more, and then there's a drop-down video, or drop-down menu, and just hit the, the videos, and you can see all my past videos. But, um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, we were talking about um, ceremonial magic. Yeah. So, you know, now they're they're giving Elegua, you know, through the mail, and it's like, wow, you know, it's all these different things you're what we call the, they call elikis, we call them collares, you know, they're, they're the beaded necklaces. You know, now you're getting those through the mail. No, that, that involves a ceremony also that isn't that pretty. So it bothers me because a lot of people, there's thousands and thousands of people out there that really believe they're initiated mm-hmm. and they're not. The same with Paolo. Okay. I'm also Paolo. I don't practice Palo anymore, but I'm I'm still a priestess, okay? And um, people have gotten scammed like nobody's business in Palo. Nobody's business. Be careful, people. Be very, very careful. Just yeah, Palo's gotten careful. very popular also. Yeah, but it's become... Commercialized. It's... Oh, I call it more than that. I call it being prostituted. Hmm. You know, it's it's not that easy to get initiated you know and 
people are making thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars and it's like Jesus Christ you know there's um something they they say being scratched so you know you get cut on your back and nowadays they're just using the tip of a razor you can't feel it I've got nine scars on my back okay and um you know there's a reason for all this and and the initiation is brutal and it's not a day you know it's it's it it was a a week of hard work and things I don't even want to I can't I wouldn't discuss anyway but if I could if it wasn't secret I would still wouldn't talk about it you know it's excruciating you know if if it's easy it's it's not it's nothing okay and I tell these my my clients I tell these clients that you know if you want to do an eradication ritual if you're being um, attacked by malicious entities okay I'm not saying demonic I'm just going to say the word malicious okay you're not going to get uncrossed by paying somebody else to light a candle for you okay you've got to do 13 days of hard work okay it involves hard work it does it takes a lot of work a lot of focus none of it's easy get what you put into it exactly exactly and that applies also to spell work too so you know Gary if I want you to to fall in love with me I'm not gonna light a candle and say Gary will fall in love with me and that's it the candle let the candle you know oh god you know that's just not gonna work i mean i'm gonna be doing all kinds of stuff to you right love spells are a whole nother bag because you know i've read like if you try to do a love spell and force somebody against their will to fall in love with somebody that can result really bad in the person who's casting that spell if something bad would happen to them yeah if it's a specific person You know like, what I always tell people? Like we should be general, like to try to find a, a, a type of A general of person. attraction spell, I like those. But yeah. I mean, let's just say hypothetically, you and I were, you know, in love with each other and then you lost interest in me and you went to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'll do a love spell, you know, for that client. Okay. But what's going to happen? You know, I, 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 maybe there's a possibility that your love for me will, will rekindle. Okay. There's a strong possibility because those emotions you had for me were there before. Okay. Mm-hmm. I may do, you know, I'm, I'll do it for estranged husbands and, and things like that. But, you know, what if you had absolutely no interest in me and I do a love spell and you come to me and that spell wears out and you're like, what the hell? What am I doing with Aida? Jesus Christ. Right. (laughs) And you, you walk away and then I put another spell on you and you come back. Right. Spell wears out because things don't last forever folks, you know, and then I put another spell on you. Okay. What I tell my clients, how many spells are you going to put on this person? Okay. In those situations, I won't do a love spell. Mm. 
know what I mean? If you've never had any interest in me whatsoever, I may try an attraction spell, but, you know, once that spell wears off and then you're not interested in me anymore, I'm going to let you go. <clears throat> because it's not fair to that person to keep putting spells because it's not real. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You don't have anything in you to work with. Right. Is there any consequences to make doing a spell to make the person do something against their own free will? Well, I think so. I think so. I mean, but you'd have to be more specific. You know, I always say, like, consider everything. Mm -hmm. You know, consider. So let's just say hypothetically, you're married and you got five little kids there and they love you very, very much, right? Daddy, daddy, and your wife loves you and all this other stuff. And I put a lust spell on you, right? Mm -hmm. And we have sex. And then I decide, well, okay, now I can do a love spell. And I do a love spell. Who am I hurting? You're hurting my family. I'm hurting that and woman you're, and you're hurting those five them. kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's consequences to a lot of spells. And the consequences are, what people are you hurting? Who are you hurting? There's other also, there's also other consequences when people are not specific in their petition. And I did talk about this. I talk about different ones. But the one that bothered me the most is a poorly, poorly stated prayer or petition. And this woman's husband left her. So she did a love spell, but, you know, she did it herself. And she was sloppy with her petition. And she said that he would come back to her um, no matter what, no matter what, he would come back to her. She wasn't specific. So her little toddler went out on the street and was killed by a car. And guess what? He came back to her. She was sloppy with her petition. So there's consequences if you're not careful. It, there's consequences always if you don't think things through. Okay? And if I put a love spell on you right now and, you know, say, let's just say hypothetically, you're happily married. Right. And, and I, I put a love spell on you and I keep putting spells on you. You know, eventually it's going to come back to me one way or another. It's going to come back to me. Is it like that that saying that that the um, people Wicca use, like about like three coming back? I don't know about that. I uh, so um, some say threefold, some say tenfold, some say a hundredfold. I don't know. There's no way for me to. Yeah, you can't really measure that. it anyway. How do you measure that, yeah. you know? And I also think that when we're cursing people, we don't say, 
let this happen to a person threefold or tenfold because then it's not justified mm -hmm. right in a, in a negative magic it's it's got to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth mm -hmm. not an arm for a fingernail you know what i mean yeah and then it's not justified now those will come and hurt you if you're not justified absolutely because you're hurting you're you're doing bad things and not being justified. So I knew this girl. I wrote it about this in Hoodoo Justice Magic. She didn't care who she cursed. She says, I don't, you know, she, she even told me to my face. She says, you know what? You're so full of crap. You know, I'm going to curse anybody I want. I don't have to be. I'm a bruja, right? Well, you know, she can't keep a guy. She's constantly putting love spells on him. I mean, perpetual, right? Her son's a drug addict. She's suicidal. And that's what happens. Another one I knew, um, all these bad things kept happening to her and she eventually died in a horrific accident. And that was another one that was cursing people unjustly. And her death was horrific. Horrific. I mean, I'm talking about the screaming and the pain and everything. So things come back to you if you're not justified. It's got to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for two. The crime has to be equal to the punishment. Well, you, know, you, don't, you don't put somebody in prison, right. you know, for, for 20 years because, you know, they ran a red light. You get what I'm saying? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about your new book, the the list of demonic names. Okay. And, so and what brought you to to write that book? Okay. Um. So what had happened was I was in this movie. Um, it's called um, A Haunting on Adam Street, and for anybody that wants to. You can go to hauntedsaginaw.com. And I was in this movie, and I'm not a paranormal investigator. Okay. Uh, and no offense to paranormal investigators. I just think that's the most boring thing in the world. I'm the person that you call in to get rid of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I'm an Aries, Gary. I, I don't have a patience. You know, to be waiting and this, I just don't have that patience. I've, I've done my share of paranormal investigating and it's not, on TV you get to see a half hour of the highlights of what happened over like 12 hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh my God. So I was called, you know, and initially I had met the, the producer and the director because I had, um, I had done something for the Discovery Channel. That should be on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus within the next few months. We thought it was going to be in October, but um, they scratched us for better shows. <laughs> but I'll be on TV. It's called Michigan Hell House. So the producer and the director was impressed with me. So he asked me to come do, you know, the work for him for this movie. And... He won, he has a mass, he has a haunted museum. 
And he has this massive, massive collection of items that have either absorbed negative en energies, items that have been bewitched, or items that there's a possession. There's an entity in there. And one of them actually had a demonic entity in it. But getting back to, I'm not a paranormal investigator, okay, he had all this equipment up. I mean, really excellent state-of-the-art stuff that I had never seen. Hmm. Is this Zach? And, pardon me? Is this Zach? No, this oh, is Steve awesome. Shippey. Okay. He just did, there was just something on um, um, the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus last week. Uh, he and Cindy Keza, they did um, like a two-hour documentary on the the flight of the 401. Mm -hmm. That is really, really fascinating. So anyway, um, so again, I didn't never saw any of this paranormal equipment. The only thing I have is a K2 meter, right. which I like to call my K9 meter because you know I love dogs. <laughs> so all I have is a K2. I just this this equipment was like holy crap. And then he's got this great big machine that he calls a geoport that was made specifically for him. It's massive, huge, right? Oh, yeah, I've seen I've seen the show with that on it. Okay. And it it you know, you can pick up voices mm -hmm. of of entities. And when I say entity, when I use the word entity, that's any being from the other world. Okay, so an entity can be a ghost, an entity can be uh, a spirit, an entity can be um, a religious de deity, an entity can be, well, God, Jesus, these are all entities, okay? So when I say entities, I'm just referring to anybody in the other world. So you're hearing all these entities talk, and I, he was asking these entities, what is your name, Right? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if he doesn't know that a name could be demonic, you, you know, I don't want him engaging in a conversation. This is what's going through my mind. Mm -hmm. But Steve wouldn't do that because Steve is very, very seasoned and very knowledgeable. But I started thinking about all the paranormal investigators that are new, right? And I know for a fact there were millions of demons. So if you engage in a conversation with a demon, right, guess what? That's an invitation in their eyes. Okay? So what I did is I bought all these encyclopedias. I mean, it was just amazing. And me, the moron, I have to read about every single one of them, right? So it took me forever. I just wanted to give a list of demonic names, you know, and I made it very, very small so that paranormal investigators could put it in their back pocket. And it has a list of demonic names. So if you're hearing a name, you can look in that book. And if the name matches, guess what? You've got three very, very strong protection players, you know, which gives you time to either get out and or get out and find somebody who can do something about this. Mm -hmm. And a very, very, very good friend of mine 
design the front cover, and that would be you. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you Thanks. so very much. Thank you. That was just beautiful. So that's why I wrote the book. I haven't really marketed it, but I think it's great for people that are using the Ouija board. I think it's great for people that are doing seances. I think it's great for psychics that are hearing names. Okay. I don't have 3 million names in there. I have 3,200, but I got 3,200 of the most well-known demons. Uh-huh. Okay. And the interesting thing is I learned a lot. And, and there's one other thing I wanted to bring up about um, calling. I didn't know this, but there are lesser demons. And I, I know now I didn't know this. They're called caco demons. And they're the lowest, 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 lowest of the hierarchy. And they're called sub-elements. Mm-hmm. But they're still demonic. And I have their names in there, too. But there are cacodemons of the north, of the south, of the west, of the east, of the northeast, of the northwest, of the northeast, of, and all over the place, right? So be very, very careful for those who are practicing magic. You know, be very, very careful when you say, I call on the spirits of the, the east and I call on the spirits of the, you're not calling them by name, mm-hmm. right? Um, the craft, the craft, the movie, the craft. Oh, I call on the spirits of the watchtowers. Well, there's no such thing as the watchtower. Okay. That's made up. Okay. If you're going to call, you know, the best thing to do, this is what I do. I call on the archangel and I view, you know, the four main archangels as being, um, as a direction being their domain. Mm -hmm. Like St. Michael would be the South, and so on, right? Call on them by their names that you know. Because if you're calling on the spirits of the East or the spirits of the watchtowers of the East, you may be calling in demonic entities. So be careful with that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mm. But the hierarchy system and everything that you've described from what I've read in especially um, ceremonial magic texts is that angelic beings also work the same way. That angelic, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Angelic, uh, angelic spirit also. beings also work in the same way. There's the hierarchy yeah, with, yes, with the archangels yeah. and then there's like the angels underneath them and yeah. it goes all the way down to elementals. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. So, I mean, you could almost say that there's a mirror, an absolute opposite for everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's good and not good, you know, on each level. That's an interesting point that you brought up. With the demons, so all that you have to do is call their name. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and that's an invitation. It is, you know, some of the books that I read 15 books. I mean, it was like, oh, my God, you know, why? It was just so interesting. And um, a lot of people have written books. There was one that was really good. It's uh, published by Simon & Schuster. But those authors or that author, I can't remember 
all the authors' names. The, the two outstanding ones was Teresa Bain because she had demons from around the world, mm-hmm. and that was Encyclopedia. The other one was uh, Michelle Bellinger, um, List of the Dam. But even through those, I had to, I found others. I found Jin. I found all kinds of different. You know, so I had to, I resorted to 15 books, but, um, not what I was saying. <laughs> what, what was the question? <laughs> I don't remember my question either. <laughs> it must have oh, been a lot. Oh, if you say the nine names, it's an invitation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So one of them, one of them, the one by Simon and Schuster was saying that be careful with songs because in certain songs, there's demonic names. And the one that really blew me away was um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Although I don't know all the words of Bohemian Rhapsody because I love the song. I mean, there's a lot of words. I mean, that's, you know, but I listened to it and I was like, doggone it, he does mention. He, he does. does. You know, I didn't hear it until you told me. And then one day I was in the car and he played it and I listened really closely and I and I was, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. So they say to be careful with singing a song. And it kind of goes back to what I tell people. And, and again, if you go to my Facebook page and 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 uh, look at my videos or buy one of my books, um, don't say something that you don't know what you're saying. Just don't. And, you know, I give an example in, in my book, Kudu Cleansing and Protection Magic. I'm half Greek. My father is Greek. Okay. And I had such a screwed up childhood because I couldn't speak English and people were speaking Spanish and people were speaking Greek. And I spoke the worst English, the worst Spanish, and the worst Greek. I could not perfect any language. And... So Spanish ended up being kind of my first language. And I remember in my father, uh, my father was wonderful, but you did not swear in front of my father under any circumstances. Or, I mean, the word pregnant was not allowed. The word hell was not allowed, right? And so anyway, I said to this Greek boy, I said, um, tell me, you know, how I can say blah, blah, blah to my father. And he taught me. So I come home. My father had never struck me ever. Okay. My parents never, my parents never, they weren't hitters. You know what I'm saying? They they never. And I went up to him and I said, I was so proud of myself. And boy, did I get a spanking. So, do you know what I told him? I told him I wanted him to go to bed with me. And the next day, he goes to school, right? And I don't know what happened, but that little boy, and I had a crush on him, um, the father pulled him out of that school. I don't know what my dad did. My dad just never tolerated stuff like that. So, I don't know if my dad threatened to sue. I don't know what my dad did, but that boy was pulled out of school. He was... He had to find, they had to find another school. So you got to be careful because you don't, if you don't know what you're saying, don't say it. Just don't. Is it possible to mispronounce a common word 
and it ended up turning out to be a demonic name and inviting a de demon accidentally? I mean, that's a very good question. I don't believe that the intention is there. Okay, so I don't think it's possible. But if I'm reading something and I don't know what I'm saying, okay, but I know there's an intention there. I know the intention is to get this entity to make you fall in love with me. That intention is there. So if I'm reading it in another language and there's a demonic name and I didn't know it was demonic and I said it, okay, I'm inviting him because that intention's there. But to mispronounce something and say a demonic name, there's no intention behind that. So what do demons say during exorcisms? The most common thing they say, you invited me. They take those invitations seriously <laughs> and they overstay their welcome. <laughs> I wouldn't want those guys coming to my wedding. <laughs> if oh, they do, wow. they better bring good gifts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. So just be careful around someone, you know, and be very careful when you're dealing with any type of entity. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been lucky because I've partaked in quite a few seances and paranormal investigations and conjurings. I've done all that stuff. So when you've participated in seances, um, how were they? Were they sloppy? Were they, what, how, tell, tell me about them because I don't do seances. Well, everybody does, everyone one I've done that was done by ones that were done by different people, it depended. Like some were just, I always say they were sloppy. There was no protection cast at the beginning and no banishing at the end. You know, that's what I would consider a sloppy seance. Wow. Um, you know, and in that seance, everybody's holding hands and stuff. So that, you know, whatever's there has rerun through everybody. Um, and then there's other ones that I've been to where, you know, They'll read a psalm at the beginning and at the end of it, and you know, it, you know, they were more careful about not letting in anything negative. And if something negative did come in, it was banished. Good, good. That's what I'm saying. If you're gonna do it, do it with experienced people. You know, people that you know are legitimate. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing people have got to be careful with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just trying to tell a friend earlier that, you know, this person's no longer around, but he wrote a very, very popular book that is selling like hotcakes, and he claimed to have been practicing hoodoo for 35 years, and he was only 30 years old. And, <laughs> you know, then I looked him up, and he, he was born and raised in the hills. No, he was born and raised in Los Angeles. So, I mean, I don't, you know, it was like, you know, you got to be careful. You just got to be careful because anybody can write anything, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, I had my first lesson in that when I wanted to train my dogs in a sport called Schutzen. It's tracking obedience and protection. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, now I'm an experienced trainer and, and, you know, I've, my dogs did very well. All, all my dogs, except my brand new one, Jacob, they're, they're all titled, have all been titled in Schutzen. But I remember when I very, very first started and people said, oh, you got to go to this guy named Rick, you know, he's really, really wonderful. So I bring my German shepherd there and I'm, I'm, I'm green. I'm completely green, right? And there's all these pictures in his little school and all these pictures with him and all his trophies. And I was like, wow, this guy is the god of Schutzen. You know, I mean, you wouldn't believe all the trophies he, you know. <laughs> so anyway, time goes on. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but he wasn't interacting with my dog appropriately. And I have owned German Shepherds and only German Shepherd dogs since I was 12. I know the breed. He should know the breed, should have known the breed better than I do because he's this great big Schutzen guy. Well, it turned out that he had to pay other people to train his dog to get it titled. And, you know, I finally left him. I left him after a short period. I think it was like three months. I wasn't happy. I, I, I was smelling fraud. Okay. And then I got really deep into the Schutzen world. And the Schutzen world, let me tell you, everybody knows all the gossip about everybody. I mean, if somebody peed twice in an hour in Mississippi, I would hear about it. Okay. That's, that's how. And everybody knew that what he was doing was going to competitions and he would buddy up with these people. Can I have a picture with you and, or can I have a picture with your trophies? Oh, okay. Had them all over his wall for different competitions that he never participated in. Then I go to the Schutzen website and, you know, they have a history on the whole thing. Nothing on him. Nothing. So that's how I learned my first lesson. Be careful. Be very, very careful. Because I could put up a website now and tell you I have the most phenomenal dogs in the world mm -hmm. and put up pictures of trophies and, and tell you this and that and that and this. Well, guess what? I'm a liar. You know what I mean? I didn't win a hundred trophies. <laughs> you know, I do. I mean, they, they've won trophies, but not to, to that extent. <laughs> I have the most unruly dog in the world. <laughs> Say this again? What? What? I have the most unruly dog of the in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pit bulls are really, really good in Schutzen. I, I've learned that. German Shepherds, obviously, because the sport was designed for them. But Pit Bulls do wonderful. And so do Malinois. But the other breeds, eh. Once in a while, a Doberman will show up, but I never, I've never seen them get titled. Usually the, the three most that obviously the German Shepherd, right? Pit Bulls and Malinois. So, you know, maybe your baby is unruly for a reason. Maybe he wants you to do Schutzen. Maybe. Yeah. No. First, you gotta get him to pee outside. 
<laughs> I would be really happy. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. I mean, m- most of the time he does, unless he's he feels angry or neglected. <laughs> Other than that, he's okay. So I was raking leaves last week, and my junior did something, and he's titled in Schutz, and I don't know what happened, but I was raking leaves, and I put the leaves in this great big lawn bag, and he decides to lift his leg and pee on the lawn, you know, the the leaf bag, and he missed (laughs) and peed all over me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, that was a first. He, he's, he's been body trained since he was uh, uh, eight weeks old, I think. Because, you know, I, I, I uh, whelped him. I bred him. Mm-hmm. So you never know with these boys. You never know. Another thing my dog likes to do is he likes to roll around in the mud. Oh. Which is brutal because he's an all-white dog. <laughs> oh, God. I can top that. I can top that. So my girl, Asha, and she's title in Schutzen, too. White German Shepherd. You know, people know me. I love the white German Shepherds. I have black and tans, but I love the whites also. Every doggone time I would give her a bath, every time she'd go out, poop, and then roll in it. It was the only time she would do it as if she got a bath. She didn't like the smell. She'd rather smell like poo. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so before we wrap this up, like where's the best place for my listeners to find you and to get your books? Okay, so if you go to Amazon and write Miss Aida, M-I-S-S, and then A-I-D-A, um, five books should pop up, five or six, okay? And you're, you're more than welcome to join me on my Facebook page, Miss Aida Psychic. And we're one great big happy family there. And uh, if you want a reading, a psychic reading or magical coaching or spell work, and I also do media appearances, you can find me on my website, MissAida.com. All right. Well, I'll put all those links in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you and get your books. Amazon. On Amazon and yes. a link to your website, a link to your Facebook page. Right. And 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 my books are in many bookstores too. You know, they're at um Barnes and Nobles and um you know, I encourage people to you know, the family owned metaphysical stores, a lot of them have my books. I mean hundreds yeah. of stores. We actually have one down the street. I never checked to see if they had your book. I should check. You gotta check, and if they didn't, you gotta you gotta make them sell yeah. it. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I'm going to go like, do you have Hoodoo Justice Magic? <laughs> you better have that. <laughs> and, 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 and of course, you know, like I love your books. I have like three of them. And wow. Made the copy for the one book, the cover, and uh, yeah. And if you love Gary like I love Gary, buy. Uh, a list of demonic names because Gary did the cover and he did a phenomenal job. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. It took me like 10 minutes while I was sitting on my couch. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Wow. I've never, I've never made a book cover before in my life. I said, you just said you needed one. I'm like, huh, I wonder if I could do it. You know, I, I, um, 
I wanted to get the book typeset, and I went through hell, and I finally um, got this guy that's very, very uh, seasoned, and uh, he typeset it in like a day, and he just went on and on about that book cover. He hmm. just, this is phenomenal. This is just beautiful. It's so appropriate. Well, you did a good job. Thanks. All my friends said the same thing. This is beautiful. Maybe one day I'll write another book. There you go. We'll see. Is it? Is it? If people don't know, like like listening to it, but writing a book is hard work. It is very time consuming. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it takes it takes me about four months if I do it every single day. You know, it takes me about four months. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I was talking about Schutzen earlier. And when we do a competition, which is called a trial, right? Because we're not really competing against each other. We call it a trial. And for every minute that they watch us and the judge watches us, right? For every minute, it took us three months to teach that. Because they can't even go out until they're 15 months old. So, I mean, everything we do, you know, like, look at a wedding, look at a wedding, look, you know, how long it takes to plan a wedding, mm-hmm. you know, and people come and they watch this really fast wedding and they have no idea how many months and months of planning and blood, sweat and tears went into planning that wedding, all the money, all the work, yeah. all the stress and the same thing with writing a book. Yeah, it took me three months to write my book, and then it took me about nine months to edit it. Oh, I'll help you edit. <laughs> no, uh, seriously. If I write another one, yeah. But the, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be more than happy. More than I'd be honored to. Yeah. But if I write another one, because my first book, my book is called Enlightenment Guaranteed, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's about like meditation. If I was going to oh. do one about, think about doing one about the podcast called Bewilderment Guaranteed. The only book on confusion you'll ever need. Is this available on Amazon? It's not even written yet. Oh, 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 oh. Well, then I can't buy it, can not I? That, not, you, can buy enlight, you can buy the first one, Enlightenment Guaranteed. That Is that on, on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay, I'll, I'll get to look that up. Yeah. It's, it's funny, though. Like, like now, like I don't know how long it's been. Like six, seven years since I wrote it. Wow. Maybe even longer. I'm not sure. But now I look at it, I sort of like, I don't even really like it that much now. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Do you know I've never read the books that I've written? <laughs> I've, never read, I've never read them. I, I, I don't listen to my clients will call me podcast. and I'll go, well, what page is this? You know, it's, it's, I've never read a book from cover to cover that I've written mm-hmm. ever because I know what's in it. Yeah. And I've never listened to the audio because. I started to listen to audio on one, and after page three, I was like, I've heard enough. I know what's in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. can't deal with it. Yeah, like people ask me, like, do you listen to your own podcast? You know, I'm, never. Wow. Never. I may have listened to the first one, and that was it. Uh-huh. I, I don't Wow. Know. Wow. You know, well, why do I need to listen to it? I, I made yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I don't listen to the podcast. And I, I got one friend that she has me on frequently. And 
I love her dearly, but it's almost like she gives me pop quizzes afterwards. You know, <laughs> like, listen to this. What'd you think of this? What'd you think? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but when I do the, the, the live events on my Facebook, mm-hmm. I never watch those because I know what I said. Like, yeah. you, you, you know what you said. I heard that William Shatner has never watched an episode of Star Trek. Hmm, I believe it. Interesting. So, hey, it was really fun talking to you tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And, and this episode, obviously I'll put it out on the 8th. <laughs> so anybody who's listening to this, it is November 8th. Although we're recording it on November 3rd. <laughs> and it's been fun. And uh, I'll put the links in the notes of the episodes so a listener can find you, find your Facebook page, your website, and your books. Well, thank and you. And it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. And you're just so wonderful. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hang on for one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. love what you listen to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.